This morning, I am uh, looking at an, uh, the same text that I think I've had for the last three weeks, and um, you say, well, when are you going to get it all done? Well, when I finish it, we'll get it all done. Uh, we've looked at uh, chosen. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. We've looked at be the branch. <laughs> that was last week. And in this same text, I was struck by how many times the word abide, the word abide, A-B-I-D-E, is declared in these verses. So John chapter 15, verses 4 through 8, and read it in the King James, but I uh, have it in other versions. But it says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit in itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch that is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Stay joined together with me. Follow my teachings. If you do this, you can ask for anything you want, and it will be given you. Show that you are my followers by producing much fruit. This will, honor, this will bring honor to my Father. Now, the word abide is not, isn't something um, uh, I guess we would use in our English, uh, modern English version of things. Oh, can you abide with me for a few moments? <laughs> It just, just seems out of place, you know. Can, can I come and abide at your table? <laughs> you know, we don't use that word very much. In the dictionary, it says it's to accept or act in accordance with. Uh, accept or act in accordance with. In some ways, I guess, yeah, that's, that's true, what we're looking at it in here in this word abide. Um, we have addressed, as I said, these verses in, in a couple of different uh, formats, uh, but... We want, to, we want to look at it today as staying beyond being connected, but living and connecting together. The word abide in uh, other versions means or is used whenever we would read uh, um, abide in me and I in you. Well, um, the easy read version says stay joined to me and I will stay joined to you. Abide, stay joined. So stay connected to stay joined. Live in me, make your home in me, abide. When you are joined with me, I am joined with you, abide. So we find that the word abide is not only a singular perspective like a one-way street, it is a two-way street in that we are abiding in Christ and Christ is abiding in us. So we are seeing how that God wants us to be Attached uses the, the over and over again in this. You are the vine. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Being attached, being connected, and if we are disconnected from the vine, you can't abide. You can't be together in this whole process. If you make yourselves at home with me and my words at home with you, that's abide. Abide wherever you ask. Abide. Whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. So we see that this abiding has a, a great influence in how we look at ourselves and how that we look at how that God wants us to be with him and how that we can perceive how God wants to be with us. 
We are to abide, John 15, 4 says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. So, Jesus knows that every person has a place where they add most value. So the abiding concept, the abiding uh, principle, is that God is preparing us to be the someone, the person that he has created us to be, and that we are to discover whatever that niche is for our own life. That each of us have a purpose. We were created for a purpose. We were created for a reason. And God has a will for our life. And as we abide in him, we find that niche or that place. So our goal is to be the person who really does make a difference in the kingdom of God. Because only what is done for Christ is going to last into eternity. So we find this idea of abiding. Um, In this view of abiding, it is contrasted with being by oneself. You abide in Christ, or the scripture says that as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. So if we are abiding in Christ, it means that we are together with him. And if we are not together with Christ, we're doing it on our own. And we're the Lone Ranger. (laughs) The Lone Ranger concept. Basically, there is no Lone Rangers. We all need people. (laughs) The Lone Ranger needed Tonto. (laughs) You heard that story, didn't you? The... um, the Lone Ranger and Tano are being chased by a, a, a band of, well, my time, time period was, in, it was Indians, but today it's American, Native Americans. So now it's Native, so they're being chased by a tribe of Native, Native Americans and they're cornered in this um, canyon. And the Lone Ranger turns to Tonto and says, hey, thank you very much for being loyal to me. Uh, that we're going to go down in this last and final battle. Thank you for being here, that we've done this together. And Tonto looks at him and says, what's this we stuff, white man? (laughs) So, yeah. Well, we're not alone. We, we, We can be alone in this, separated. And if we are separated from Christ, there are no peaches. Did you hear what I said? There are no peaches. What does that have to do with my sermon? <laughs> did, this kinda, did he make a mistake? Was he, did he really say peaches? There are no peaches? Yeah, I said, because <laughs> um, down over the mountain in New Paris, we call it down over the mountain, in that area, they suffered a frost in the early spring. You know, it was warm for a while, and then we got this week that was very cold and frosty, and it frosted the buds on the peach trees. And so there are very few peaches in, in the New Paris Valley. Well, we find, well, what does that have to do with bearing fruit? Well, what happens whenever you get frosted <laughs> at the very peak of your growing season. 
You know, the very peak of your development, the, the buds are on the vine, and they're ready to blossom, ready to start the formation of the peaches, and you get frosted. <laughs> um, in our lives, there can be injuries, pain, sorrow, intentional, unintentional, that has frosted, <laughs> that has stunted our development and fruit-producing process. It's our natural God-given process of producing good. So the growers, there's nothing they can do now to undo what the frost has done. And we as individuals and people can stop allowing that freeze to keep hindering our lives each year. <laughs> do you remember last year? <laughs> we got frozen out. Here and now, so this year is not going to be a different than last year, and we're going to get frozen out again. There may not be any frost, but did you know, this is, this is supposedly a true story, and the person I heard it from, I'm sure I'll say they told it to me. So this guy was working in a railroad yard, and his, his purpose, his job was to restore or to fix and repair um, these freezer cars. Well, what happened was the, there was a party, it was a Friday night, and Friday afternoon, and there was a party for the boss's whatever birthday or something, and everybody left an hour early. Well, this individual somehow got locked in the freezer car. You remember it? <laughs> and uh, they got locked in the freezer car. And so he had a piece of paper and and a pencil he found, and he was writing about how cold he was and how that it must be below zero and that he is trembling and shutting, his body is shutting down and how that, you know, he left his last will and testament there on that piece of paper and he died. Well, on Monday morning, they came and they found him and took him to the hospital and he had frozen to death. But the, the strange thing was, the refrigeration unit didn't work. He froze to death in 60 degree car, in a 60 degree car. You see, he had so convinced himself that he was in a car, a freezing car, that it was the, the cold air was working and he was freezing to death. So his mental awareness and his mental perspective he literally froze to death, is what the, the autopsy said. And he froze to death in 60 degrees weather. <laughs> so you see, what you think and what you believe and how you continue to respond to the difficulties of your past can continue to haunt you and freeze you every year <laughs> with the events and the circumstances. Now, Bad things do happen. How many remember the Johnstown flood? <laughs> yeah. There's three of them. You know, we're gonna, I knew you were going to ask, which one are you talking about? Well, there was one in 1889, and it killed more than 2,000 people. The flood in 1936 killed two dozen people, and the flood in 1977 killed 84 people. See, I wrote it down. <laughs> I knew you'd ask. So, but people, 
sometimes people, even in our area, you remember this. And it's like, that puts a damper, <laughs> damper, <laughs> that puts a halt on what we think we can do, what industry feels that it can do. Because do you remember when? <laughs> you know, there, there are two things that are gr the great hindrances to our future. Success and failure <laughs> of the past. The success of the past is you're never going to live up to that. Do you remember when? <laughs> Do you remember when this happened? Do you remember? People are always looking back and they're taking what happened. Back then, I could run 100 miles and not get weary. <laughs> I could lift 350 pounds. I was strong. You know, I was six foot six. I had hair. <laughs> Do you remember when? <laughs> well, there's nobody here that can remember that, so I can tell you anything, you know. But, you know, I shrunk. I, uh, I uh, am not tall enough for how much I weigh, you know. <laughs> but you see, we, we can look at our successes and say we can never be that again, or failure. Oh, my, do you remember what happened whenever we tried that and it didn't work? Oh, it was such a disaster. And so we, re we, we refuse to go forward. We got frosted. <laughs> we got frosted at a time in which we were developing our fruit, and we were so expecting of the fruit. The blossoms were out. It was really pretty, and then the frost came, and it just destroyed it all. And so many people <laughs> live in that process of what happened when. And you know... Some events, some events are horrific, okay? Not taking that away from anyone who's suffered some extremely devastating personal, physical problems. But we still have to deal with them. We were talking um, about, this week was, Cor we were talking about Corey Ten Boom, you know, the hiding place. And she, she um, was inadvertently released from a concentration camp. And the concentration camps, they killed six million people. And her family, a sister and family, uh, all of them were executed, I believe, in the, uh, maybe not all of them, but anyhow, they were all executed in the concentration camp, but she somehow by mistake was let go. After the war, she would go around preaching or in the churches and so on about how that you have to deal with the Nazis and how that you have to deal with the, the German occupying, occupying forces that destroyed your homes and killed your families. She said, you have to forgive them. You have to forgive them if you're going to go on. And one time, and there was Wednesday night we said this, and then one time while she was giving that talk to a church, and after the service, an individual stepped out of the aisle and said, Fraulein, I'm the guard that was in your, whatever it was, your home, that uh, barracks. And basically, he was the one who took her family to the, to the gas chambers. Please forgive me. You see, <laughs> That the frost that comes to our lives comes 
Sometimes it's the least amount, the least expected. Sometimes it's, it's expected and it, you hope that it doesn't happen, but somehow it does. Remember, in these types of trauma, you didn't cause it, you didn't create it, you didn't induce it, and God isn't punishing. We bring all these things to the cross of Jesus Christ and accept his love for us. His plan for our lives continue. In spite of the trauma, in spite of the sorrow, in, try, in spite of the difficulty, God's plan doesn't change. What he created us for doesn't change because of the success or the failures that we go through. It still is there for us. His grace and his mercy are at work in us, and now we bring to the cross these individuals and these situations, and we bring the hurt and we place them at his feet and ask him to heal our hearts and to heal these, these individuals. And remember the, what Jesus did at the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. You know, he said that about the Romans who had nailed him to the cross. So we turn our pain, you turn your pain over to Christ. You ask Jesus to heal you of the hurts, of the memories, of the wounds, of the events, so that you can go on, that when you remember them, the pain does not come back. You'll never be able to have a magic eraser to take away the event. But in forgiveness, we take away the hurt. We take away the sorrow, the pain that goes with it. And it becomes an event, yes, but that's not who I am. I'm going onward from here. That event does not define who we are because we are abiding in Christ. And besides that, the, the scripture says, I am the one who punishes. I will repay, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. <laughs> so we find that when we turn it over to God, we are allowing him to take care of it. We can't, you know, if we live in a state of vengeance, we become the aggressor. We become the hateful, hurtful individual. So we have to allow these things to go and turn it over to God because God's purpose in our life is in front of us. Abiding in Christ does not give us a permission to hurt people who hurt us. Abiding in Christ is forgiving and loving just as Christ has forgiven us. The psalmist, Psalm 91.1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place... He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You see, he that dwelleth in the secret place, you sit down with Jesus. You see, it's a secret place because people who don't know God or seek God can't find it. But when you seek him, you will find him. When you make time in your heart and your mind for the scriptures, for devotionals, for praying, then you sit down and you make time to be with God. Meditate on scripture. Don't just let your mind wander. <laughs> well, I sat down with God and my mind went this way. Yeah. Our minds, <laughs> our minds wander. But you know what you do? You remind yourself, remind yourself, 
to bring your mind back to what you're doing. You see, we have to bring our, the Bible says, bring your thoughts into subjection. That we are to bring our thoughts into subjection. Subject to what? Subject to Jesus Christ. Subject to his word. Because he has a plan and a purpose and a place for us. And we want to be the person that God wants us to be. And so we've got to allow the word of God, the presence of God, of Jesus Christ himself to abide. It's a two-way street. I abide in him, he abides in me. It's not, okay, God, do this for me and I'll sit down and watch. No, I've got to participate and God is participating with me. God is working with me. His word, his spirit, we are working together in this. He that dwelleth in the secret place. The secret place is a shelter. The secret place is some place, everything that is hidden in the scripture is hidden only to be revealed. When it says anywhere in the scripture, this is secret or this is hidden, it means that we've got to allow God to reveal it to us. It's not something we're going to figure out in our head. You know, it's something God is going to help us understand in our heart. And you see, that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow. Now, the psalmist knows what it's like to be in a 110-degree heat. (laughs) And being in the shadow of something is a great comfort. So I will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God himself will be the one who protects me from the searing heat. And I will stay in the shadow of God, the all-powerful one. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, here we go with abide, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. I am in his refuge. I am in his fortress. I will say of the Lord, he is my fortress. And my God, in him I will trust. Abiding is developing a trust that God is going to take care of us in the situation. Abiding, two-way street. Verse 3, surely he, abide, shall deliver thee from the snare of the filer. (laughs) The snare of the filer, the hidden dangers. You know what a snare is? (laughs) A snare is something that is set to catch an animal so that it goes on with its daily routine. It's going through its uh, running down its trail, and on that trail they put a, a wire with a noose on it, and the animal will go through it, and it snares them. So God will keep you from the snare of the fowler, the hunter. Well, who would be hunting us? <laughs> the evil one trying to get us to falter or fail. Abide, he shall cover thee with his feathers. Abide, he will cover us under his wings. His truth shall be the shield and buckler. Did you know that the shield is what stands between us and danger? The shield of faith. The shield of faith is what stands between us and danger. And so God has promised, and this, the psalmist here is telling us that God is going to be his shield and his buckler, his city walls. Verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. 
You have nothing to fear of what comes at the night. Abide. Again, not harm, not afraid of the arrow that flieth by day. The random accidents. Abide, no fear of the pestilence. <laughs> no fear of the pandemic. Now we have to be careful, but we don't live in fear of that pandemic that walks in darkness that we don't understand, that we can't see. Verse 7, again, abiding, is a knowing that a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. We read that and you say, wait a minute, how does that fit in with being frosted? <laughs> you know, how does that fit in with, you know, the enemy of our soul does not want us to develop into the person that God wants us to be. So the enemy of our soul will influence evil people to do certain things and wrongful things to hurt people, innocent people. And that hurt can sometimes become such a weight around that person's neck and their life that it completely occupies everything from when they were a child clear through to they're an adult. They're still having to deal with the event that happened as a child. And God is saying to us, vengeance is mine. I'll take care of them. You forgive them and let them go. Forgive yourself for, and for all your sins. Not that not, not, nothing was connected with that. Doesn't mean it was your fault or whatever. God, no. Allow God to forgive us. All have sinned. And go forward. And every time that comes up, the pain no longer is there to occupy and continue to haunt the mind. Abiding in Christ is abiding in his presence and allowing the presence to abide in us. His word is a light to our path. His word is a light to our soul and to our thinking. And if we don't allow the light to shine, we'll walk in darkness. But all the darkness in the world cannot take out the light of one candle. All the darkness of life cannot hinder the, the light of Jesus Christ in our lives. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. What is born in you is born to live forever. <laughs> what God has done in us is to abide in us, and that word, that seed that God has put in us is not allowed to be frosted. It's not allowed to allow the events of life to freeze us to the point that we'll never bear fruit. The word of God is eternal, and it is in us for a purpose, and that purpose abides forever, being born from above. Not corruptible. Corruptible is unprincipled. No boundaries, cowardly, spineless. Living in Christ is living in our area of strength. 
You see, living in Christ is our area of strength. In him, I am more than a conqueror. His word gives me light and life, confidence and understanding that he, he loves me, he has a purpose for me, and I am abiding in him and he is abiding in me. God is taking us through a process that gets us ready to step in and do the work, get us to do the will of God. If we say we live in, abide in God, we must live, as, live in the way Jesus lived. So that means live the way Jesus did. Y'all got to buy sandals, got to wear robes, and have long hair. I saw people that have long hair and bald like me. <laughs> they got a ponytail in the back, goes halfway down their back. I know it's pretty cool. I think I need to start doing that, you know, get myself a Harley. You know, you know I'd be a cool preacher. <laughs> oh, well, it was fun for a moment. Uh, <laughs> but you see, John says in 1 John 2, 14, I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know the one who existed from the beginning. I write to you, young people, because you are strong. So John is writing to the children, to the fathers, to the young people, because they are strong. Why does he know they are strong? Because they know the Father who abides, who exists forever. Ah, uh, the word of God abides in you. And what happens when the word of God abides in you? You defeat the evil one. The evil one who may have instigated the problem. The evil one who inspired evil people to do wrong things. That you defeat the evil one by the word of God. The blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from sin is the blood that washes us, and it is a, the blood of Christ washes our garments and they become white as snow. First John 2:17. The world is passing away, and all things that people want in the world are passing away. But whoever does what God wants abides, lives forever. <laughs> Doing what God wants enables us to live forever. He is with us, and he is working all things together for good in our lives. So the first command is to love the Lord with all your heart and love the neighbor as ourself. Abide is two ways, abiding in Christ and abiding in Christ abiding in us. So the scripture texts stay joined to me, and I will stay joined to you. Abide. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it stays joined to the vine. Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you stay joined in me, if you abide in me, and I in you. Verse 6, if you don't stay joined to me, you will be thrown away. Verse 7, stay joined to me, abide with me, and let my teachings, let the word dwell in you richly. Let the word become part of who you are. <laughs> so you see, you can pray. Pray for whatever you want, and God will have a place, and God has a response 
in witnessing and coming to help you out, there will be a response. If we abide in Christ and his word shall have an understanding, we will have an understanding of God's love. And then verse 8 in conclusion. When you become fruitful, when you become fruitful disciples of Jesus, my Father will be honored. <laughs> when we abide in Christ, our Father is honored because we are strong. So we are to abide. We are to give ourselves to the Word, the Scriptures. We need to read devotionals. We need to read the text. Commit yourself to five minutes a day. Five minutes. Don't start off with two hours. If, you don't, if you're not doing something, start with five. Do ten. Set a doable time to just sit down with God and meditate on his word and find peace in your heart. Because if you abide in him, he abides in you. And his strength is your strength. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you, Lord, for your blessing upon our lives and our families. We ask, Lord, that you watch over and guide us in this time. That, Lord, you make a way for us where there seemingly is no way. Lord, we pray for our leaders. We pray for our officials. We pray that you will give them wisdom and understanding in this difficult time. But most of all, we thank you that you live in us and we live in you. We thank you for this. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. God bless you.